you're listening to the New Paradigm Life Coach Podcast, hosted by Michelle Schuler-Key, produced by Julie Bugin, and brought to you by NewParadigmLifeCoach.com. Welcome to the New Paradigm Spirituality Podcast. We are today talking with someone we're really excited about because she is one of our own, our very own Bodhi Devama. Bodhi is a spiritual life coach, a yoga and meditation teacher, and someone who has wrapped up a lot of credentials in her career. So why don't you take over here, Bodhi? What else is it? <laughs> well, um, so since we're talking about street cred, I guess that we could start off with I have my um, undergrad in philosophy and religious studies and my master's degree in mental health and community counseling. And so I've been and I'm also a Reiki master teacher. And so I've been studying and teaching spirituality and different aspects of spirituality for about the last 20 years. Awesome. And, and like it says on our website, site, she is the driving force behind this whole experiment. She's, she pulled us together and, and made us what we are. So we're still continuing our series on the Divine Feminine. And I would like to start off, like we do with all our guests, with Bodhi, will you please give us your definition of the Divine Feminine? So for me, um, you know, when I think about the Divine Feminine, um, what it brings up is this concept that's very tied to the earth, that's tied to nature, that's tied to um, what the earth itself is doing as a conscious being. And, um, and as the earth itself is starting to shift and change, the divine feminine is this aspect of what we would consider to be the goddess that is coming forth now in our consciousness because we are a part of nature and we're a part of the earth. And so as as the earth is kind of rising in her awakening and her her consciousness, it's affecting the minds and bodies of all of the beings that are a part of this ecosystem that's on her body. And so the way that I'm considering it in these terms is um, goddess energy, but very specifically in terms of the earth herself as a conscious being. And that is so cool because we haven't gotten that perspective yet that is a new angle that we're going to be hitting right after we learn just a little more about you so we know you're a spiritual guide and all of the other wonderful things you are how did you get here how did you become a guide um so many years ago i you know i started off growing up as many of us do in the south as in fundamentalist christianity and i also always had a really close um, connection with god personally um, through that avenue but mainly in this kind of energetic feeling of what i would call the holy spirit and i went to a lot of churches where people would you know kind of experience the holy spirit and that's always where i felt my draw or my connection but I was very um, conditioned to fear God and fear the divine um, in the ways that you know organized religion, especially in the West, tends to help us do. And by the time I was 19 years old, I was kind of um, over it. You know, I felt like there were so many questions that were unanswered by the spirituality that I'd been raised with, and um, I'd gone through certain different kind of traumatic experiences in my life and reached out to God in the ways that I felt like um, that I was taught to do, and I didn't feel like I was getting an answer. And so by the time I was 19, I was um, pretty 
ready to just kind of become an atheist. And I think um, I moved into that space. And because of, again, some major trauma that happened when I was about 19 and I had kind of my life kind of fell apart in different ways, I was introduced to plant medicine. And at that point, it awakened my mind to a whole new aspect or a whole new way of looking at the world itself. I literally saw colors different. I saw things differently than I'd ever seen before. And it really opened my mind up to maybe that there were different ways of looking at the world that I hadn't experienced before. And during this um, kind of breakthrough experience that I had, um, it was such a deep spiritual experience for me to really get back in contact with the nature of my body and the nature, you know, and nature itself, because I had become so disconnected from that. And when I started really feeling that in my body, I started looking around for answers to what it was that I was actually experiencing because the framework that I'd been given about the divine really left out the whole aspect of nature. It was really um, almost like humankind was here to overcome nature rather than be a part of it. And at this point, I had felt very connected to because of the spiritual experience, very connected to the earth and very connected to the energies. But like I said, I didn't have a framework for that. So I started really searching myself. At that point, I was in broadcasting at the University of Tennessee, and I completely switched majors to philosophy and religious studies in a search for something that could answer or give me a framework for the experience that I'd had. And um, as I continued that search, I found Eastern religions and some of the experiences that people were talking about in that really resonated with the experience that I had. And so I started getting deeper and deeper into my studies of these, you know, especially Buddhism and um, ended up teaching that at the University of Tennessee as a graduate student and then um, moved into as you know, as I moved to different places based on life, you know, life needs, I ran into Reiki. And as I had already been kind of studying Buddhism and Eastern religion, I'd been really looking at it in a theoretical kind of way and more of like an academic kind of way. And when I was exposed to energy work and people who were doing energy work, I could feel that same feeling that I'd had before of being really energetically connected. And it tied it back to that feeling of the Holy Spirit that I'd had as a child as well. And so that really kind of tied everything together for me and really brought me into this whole world of energy work. And so at that point, over the next three years, I became a Reiki master, and then I began teaching um, Reiki to people just that I knew initially. And then over the last twenty years, I've probably probably taught. I've probably graduated close to a thousand people in the whole entire Southeast United States, and in Central and South America, um, and introduced them to energy work. And then as that expanded, as my experience with it expanded and my experience with Buddhism expanded, um, it was kind of parallel to that, that I was working with, um, as I moved to different places in the Southeast, I was working with different monks and teachers um, in Eastern religions. And then finally I was introduced to yoga and I started working with um, 
some teachers who worked with Kriya Yoga and also just the typical, you know, um, yoga teachers and started really at that point integrating Hindu um, techniques and ideas into my understanding of the divine. And um, then probably, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I was introduced to shamanism and I'd always been interested in Native American culture and then as I started to understand shamanism and understand the basis of it, it's really tied to this basic understanding of ourselves as a part of the consciousness that is the material world, that it has a consciousness itself, that our minds are reflections of that consciousness. And when I moved into kind of the shamanistic teachings and really understanding life in this way, it really gave me a full circle understanding of all of the experiences that I'd had and tied everything together. So I've had a really eclectic kind of education myself and a lot of eclectic experiences that um, that kind of brought full circle these last 20 years, um, the initial spiritual experience that I had that woke me up. So it's kind of been a path that has taken you exactly where you needed to be to get to the next step to become who you are now. That's, yes. that's awesome. Yes. And it was all just, you know, it was all, it was very much the kind of experience like walking out into the ocean and you step on one stone and the ocean looks completely empty. You don't know where you're going to step next. And then as soon as you think for sure, there's not another step to take, the next one rises up in front of you and you just kind of step on that one. And then you get scared again and think there's nowhere else to go. And then the next one comes up in front of you and you just step on that one. And it was really, I didn't have a goal other than, you know, I guess my real goal spiritually was for me always to deepen and deepen and deepen my understanding of my connection with God, the energies that are here and the earth itself because of that initial experience. I think all of the paths that it's taken me on were, this underlying motivation to really truly understand what I'd been shown initially. So what does being a spiritual guide to people, your, that position you, you hold in their lives when you're, when you're helping in that way, what does that mean to you? Well, <clears throat> that's an interesting question. Um, you know, back when I was um, a Reiki teacher and I just had my undergrad in religious studies and philosophy, um, you know, my knowledge was uh, very theoretical at that point. And then um, working with people doing energy work with them, a lot of times people would start to have emotional releases or start to deal with traumas and things like this that I felt very un, um, unable to or I just didn't feel like that I had the training to really deal with the kind of things that were coming up for people when we were just doing energy work. So I went back to school and got my master's degree in mental health counseling in order to kind of really strengthen my um, ability to really hold space for people and know that I had, you know, solid training on how to handle, you know, all of the things that would come up to help people integrate. And what I think is actually happening when I'm working with a person is that over time, humans, because of different traumas that happen to them, they become disintegrated. They, their consciousness fragments or stops developing in certain ways because of fear or because of things coming up in their lives that they can't handle at that point. And what happens when we do our spiritual practices together um, and when I'm teaching 
both as a yoga teacher, as a meditation teacher, and then as a spiritual guide individually with people, is that I'm helping them to find those kind of fragmented shadow pieces that they've left behind in the past and bring them into the present so that they can become a fuller, more integrated human being. And then once people learn to kind of get themselves out of that fight or flight state that we tend to get into in our in our brain chemistry because of the traumas that we've had, once they learn how to relax, their bodies and their energies naturally have a wisdom and know how to heal. As a matter of fact, our bodies, I think, are always trying to reintegrate our consciousness, but it's just because of us being so stressed out and so fragmented and so trained to be in that fight or flight state that we never actually get relaxed enough and feel safe enough to allow our bodies and our minds to naturally reintegrate and heal. And then when that happens, the natural tendency for any human is to re acquaint themselves with the divine because they realize that they are an integral part of the divine, almost like a cell in the body of God, rather than, you know, um, God being out there, something that I have to pray to and that's going to do things to me or shoot lightning bolts at me, that God actually is something that once you start to integrate and awaken, that God is actually something that animates you. It is actually the animating force, and it is what what we are. We are a part of God. And as people start to heal and relax in my practice, they all start to wake up to that fact in themselves. But I think that um, my job mostly is just to make people feel safe and um, to give them some kind of framework to understand what's happening to them when those traumas are trying to integrate and give them some tools to handle that as they wake up and um, become a more integrated person. Thank you. Very, very cool. So um, on that note, why don't we go to a break? I think it's about time. And when we come back, we will dive into the Divine Feminine. Looking for a way to carry your positive intent with you? Our unique mala bracelet and essential oil combo sets work together to support the chakras. Each mala bracelet has a porous bead, just add a few drops of oil, and the set will help your bowl stay with you throughout the day. View our selection at www.newparadigmlifecoach.com. We're back with Bodhi Deva Ma, and we've been talking a little bit about who she is and how she ended up doing what she's doing in her life, and now we're going to dive into the Divine Feminine. Um, you already told us a little bit about what you think the Divine Feminine is. Um, you, you related it to nature, which was a great, unique viewpoint we haven't heard before. So you also said that the world was shifting toward the Divine Feminine. How do we see that? So from my perspective, um, what I see happening in people's minds is, um, well, just on a very superficial level, we see things like the Me Too movement. We see things like um, the empowerment of women, you know, women finally stepping up and saying, you know what, this is not okay with me, you know, creating um, boundaries for themselves that they haven't created in the past. 
And I think that that is a, something that's actually happening internally to each of us because as the defined feminine begins to raise in the earth itself, it's activating the feminine aspects of us in each of our individual bodies. But that's not just for women. It's also for men because each human body has a feminine and masculine aspect. And so another way that we're seeing this is um, by the shift in gender roles, the shift in the way that uh, men and women are expressing themselves, not only sexually, but also um, how they express nurturing, how they express compassion, how, um, how the more uh, masculine ways that we have lived in the past, the more linear ways that we've activated ourselves as humans um, are becoming less interesting to people and people are becoming more overtly interested in um, looking at things with compassion, looking at things in nonlinear ways, looking at um, things more like in circles rather than lines, if you can understand that. Um, and also we're seeing it in our physical bodies. We're seeing a whole generation of students um, that I worked with, and I know that this is happening all over the world, um, a ho this whole generation that's right behind us, the um, kids that are growing up now who are in middle school and high school, are, um, many of them are identifying themselves as gender fluid um, and are looking at um, themselves as... Um, more what I would consider to be balanced human beings. And I think that it's actually happening in their bodies during, you know, after conception, it's like they're not so polarized as I am a male and I am polarized to like females. I, it's more like people are moving into that center in their actual physical bodies and then expressing that as being bisexual or being transgendered or whatever. And we're actually seeing it in the physicality of these children. You know, you can see that many of them actually look much more gender um, neutral, you know, and I think that it's actually physically shifting and it's because of the shift that's happening on the earth. It's actually physically shifting our bodies and it's physically, and it's, um, shifting our minds and the way that we think about things. And I think that also we are seeing the contrast of that because like as the divine feminine begins to rise, all of these structures that we've created in our society are um, very much built on a very masculine scale, you know, in, um, in many ways, you know, just our business structures, our social structures. And we're seeing as people are starting to change in their minds, where it's almost like a, a little bit of a war, you know, where the structures that are in place that monetize and create economy are very masculine and it's not fitting anymore. And so we're seeing that almost fight back. And we see that in, you know, current leadership, we see almost like the opposite of the divine feminine, this very, very immature masculine coming up for all of us to really look at and decide, is this where we want to continue to go? And those structures are starting to fall and people are starting to say, you know what, this isn't how I want to live anymore. This is not the society that I want to be a part of. And I think that that is another way that we're seeing the divine feminine working her magic. It may look like things are getting worse, but I think it's just kind of bringing things out of the shadow and into the consciousness of all of us about the way that we've structured our whole entire society um, that disempowers this feminine 
moving what we would call in yoga shakti kind of energy this um, flowing loving nurturing energy um, has been suppressed in many ways by society and that is all we're seeing that change on a um, global scale why do you think it's happening now you know that's a great question um when we look at you know, when we look back at the Vedas, which are the ancient texts of um, Hinduism, and the ancient texts that you know within Buddhism, many and also in, and I can only speak about those two because that's what I know the most about. But then even in um, South American and Central American, like Mayan culture and Aztec culture. They talk about that this is a time, you know, it's like that joke about, you know, that this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. This is the time that we're moving out of what they call in the Vedas a kalpa or a cycle of darkness. And we're moving into a new cycle of awareness and consciousness that we haven't been in, um, but that we go through these cycles naturally Um and the, the, right now we're at the end of, I think that they're saying like a 27,000 year kalpa where the divine feminine was kind of went underground and the divine masculine was in charge in a certain way or had more power. And that's starting to shift because of natural cycles that we don't really truly understand because we just don't live long enough. Civilizations haven't lived long enough and had enough history to really like say, for sure this is what's happening but all of these ancient texts are saying that this is happening because it's a natural cycle that the earth goes through and that and some people even associate that with a polar shift that we can tell like scientifically right now that the that you know the polar axis of the earth is like shifting right now in some way that we haven't really understood but that it's actually about something that the earth herself does naturally that we're experiencing right now i hope that answers your question well <laughs> it does answer my question it wasn't a lot of facts it was a whole bunch of stuff that i'm not really really um clear about but i do think that it but but i do think that all of these ancient texts have pointed to this being a time of um unrelenting shift on the whole entire planet and we're definitely seeing that whether you call it the divine feminine whether you call it a polar shift, or no matter what you call it, something's happening. That's for sure. We're all experiencing it. What would you say? Um, because we've talked about the fact that it's really a balance we're seeking, and, and the rising divine feminine is it's good for men too. What would you say to a man though who's a little uncomfortable in the changing world? <clears throat> I have a, an incredible amount of compassion for men right now. Um, I can imagine, you know, how it must feel to all of a sudden have these aspects of what it means to be a man come up into question all of a sudden. You know, for example, you know, in our culture right now, we're really seeing where the, you know, the good old boys kind of way of being, you know, making fun of women, you know, being sexually inappropriate, these kind of things that were show, that were always seen and taught to our men as being definitions of masculinity. All of a sudden, all of that is coming into question. And it's like, I feel for them because it's like, okay, well, we know what not to do, but we don't know what to do now. We don't know how to act or be and still be men. Because even among men right now, it's just so much question about, well, now am I just going to be a woman? 
you know, now am I just going to be all sweet and loving and nurturing, you know, and it's like, no, you know, that's not what we're asking either, or that's not what's happening either, but it's like, what is it to be a man? And I feel like it's creating an identity crisis for all men right now. And, um, and what I would say to men who feel uncomfortable about it is, yeah, it's uncomfortable. You know, it's uncomfortable to feel like that you don't know what you're becoming. And it reminds me of that, <clears throat> you know, the fact that, you know, when caterpillars turn into a butterfly, they go into a cocoon and then they turn into liquid. And they don't. They know they can't go back to being a caterpillar anymore. They can't go back to eating leaves. They can't go back to doing those things. But they don't know what they're going to be when they're done. And that has to be such an insecure and painful place for them to be because men don't know how to define themselves right now. And I think that one of the most important things that we can do as conscious women is support the men as they transition out of the immature masculine into a more mature masculine um, and help them to define what that is, not only in reference to us, but in reference to their own hearts. Thank you. That's great. And I think a lot of, I think that's very helpful for a lot of men who are struggling, especially to hear that women do have compassion for it, that it's not just a matter of us coming in, stomping our feet and saying, this is the way we do it now. Right, right. And the thing is, is that we don't know how to do it either. You know, it's not just, it's not just that, you know, there's been this immature masculine and then, you know, women have always known the right way to be. And, you know, it kind of makes me think about that cartoon, <laughs> The Flintstones, you know, how uh, Betty and Wilma were always knew what to do. But then, you know, but the men in there, they were always just kind of bumbling, dumb idiots. But the women were always knew the right thing. And they always let the men think they had the right idea. But really, truly, we knew who was running the show. And I think that a lot of people, you know, and especially women kind of have that many women right now as we're becoming empowered might still might still have that attitude that okay fine now we've always known what to do now we're going to take charge and we're going to decide but the fact of the matter is is that there's a real um we all need to take a real serious look at the immature feminine as well and the ways that we've used sexuality as power and the ways that we've denigrated and disrespected our own selves and all of us are in that liquid form right now because the divine feminine requires that we grow up too, not just men, and that we have within us the immature masculine and the immature feminine, but we all have within us the mature masculine and the mature feminine. It's just a matter of touching in on that and bringing forth those aspects of ourselves. And it's not just men that are having to struggle through this because it's not like we as women can just tell them how to be and they're gonna be able to be that way. It's all of us having to tune back into our hearts and our own truths and finding <clears throat> the, the best way to really express the most mature and respectful way of being a human, regardless of your gender. And I think that's what the goddess requires right now. That's what she's requiring of all of us. And I think that's awesome. And I actually want to get back into that after the break. Are you curious about A Course in Miracles? Let Julie Bugen, a 14-year course student and teacher, guide you through this life-changing curriculum in a one-on-one -on -one setting. 
Sessions can be held face-to-face -face or online via video chat and are currently available for an introductory rate of $50 an hour. Visit newparadigmlifecoach.com and send Julie Bugin a message on her about page to schedule a session. We are back on the New Paradigm podcast with Bodhi Devama talking about the divine feminine. Now, before the break, what we talked about was that what's a lot of in a lot of these podcasts and a lot of conversations, people are saying that the divine feminine is rising, but what it's feeling like is maybe the balance is rising. So, Bodhi, what can we do as individuals to encourage that balance? Mm, this is a great question. You know, and this is something that I um, am working with personally all the time. Um, some of the things that you can do, you know, one of the beautiful things about having ancient teachings is that they really speak to this. And because, you know, especially in yoga and in the Vedas, they've talked a lot about that you have the Ida and the Pingala, which is the masculine and feminine side of your actual subtle energy body. So your, your subtle anatomy actually has a masculine and feminine side. And we do in yoga, like maybe sometimes if you've taken a yoga class, you may have experienced alternate nostril breathing. And what that does is it closes off one side and you're strengthening one side and then you close off the other side and you're strengthening and creating that balance in the subtle winds or the subtle energies, which is the prana in your actual body. And then that actually by doing that manually you're actually creating a physical balance which shows itself in your consciousness as more balance in your masculine and feminine. So things like pranayama, which is which are the breathing techniques that they offer in yoga, are very beneficial for actually cr manually creating this balance in yourself. And then the awareness and the waking up to what that balance looks like for you just happens. Just like when I was saying earlier, when I do healing work with people, you know, once you feel safe and feel um, like that you can expand and come out of that fight or flight kind of space in yourself, then your body has natural wisdom. It Because it is a part of nature, it is a part of God. So it knows exactly what it needs to do to fix itself. And it also knows, it also taps into, when it becomes balanced, it taps into the wisdom of the universe. And so all answers for you about what that looks like to be a balanced human being come into your consciousness just by manually changing the balance in your body. So practices like yoga, especially the pranayamas, are very good. In the more esoteric teachings, we can talk about tantra. Um, and tantra is not just sexual healing. It does have an aspect of that. But tantra is a much bigger um, framework for understanding balancing polarity and balancing um, duality and actually the polarities being the masculine and feminine, the solar and lunar, the, you know, the, the duality that is natural to living in a 3D body, all of that through tantric practices and tantric teachings, what happens is you create a balance and once that balance is hit, then you transcend duality and have what we call non-dual awareness. And when you move into that non-dual awareness, you're able to see past good, bad, right, wrong, gender polarities, um, all of the things that create kind of conflict and fragmentation in our consciousness become um, 
no longer they become moot points because you've almost get like a bird's eye view of the bigger patterns of what's happening and that the divine is actually running through what we would call the bad and what we would call the good what we would call the shadow and what we would call the light and so the tantra actually all of the tantric practices are moving toward in my understanding of them and i'm not an expert in tantra but in my understanding of it these esoteric practices are actually um, creating that internal balance through breath work, through body work, through sex- sacred sexuality, and through other kinds of teachings to create that natural balance in the body where you can awaken to your divine wisdom that has always been within you. And and that's the, that's the key, um, I think, for all of us to understand spiritually is like in the West, we've been taught that we are broken, we are sinners, and we need to be saved and fixed. But in the East, they look at it very, very differently. They look at it, and not only in the East, but also in, um, in Native cultures in the West. They look at it that we are already actually perfect. We are already actually divinely planned. But because of those fragments in our consciousness, we can't see that. And so the whole thing of spiritual practice is to get rid of these veils over our eyes that keep us from seeing that we are a part of God and that we are already completely enlightened and um, awake. We just can't see it because of our conditioning and our fragments in our consciousness. And so removing all of those veils off of our eyes, then we see the natural divinity and the natural wisdom that we already were all along. So then what would you say to a woman, Um, you know, men are uncomfortable with it, but there are a lot of women in the world who have adapted themselves to a more masculine way of being and they get through their lives and they're adults now and they feel this rising feminine that's something that they haven't really experienced before. How would you help them? I've had, you know, it's really interesting that you bring that up because I've actually had a lot of that come up um, in my classes. And it was actually kind of surprising to me because I'm, you know, I mean, I guess we always reference from our own viewpoint. And so I'm very, I, I, I kind of run on the feminine side in my way of being. I'm much more flowy and much more nurturing. And I'm just kind of like that kind of earth mothery type of person. And so as I've been teaching and working with people, I've realized that there are women that are very, very masculine. And as this starts to rise in them, it it does kind of hit that fragmentation in their mind. And they feel very uncomfortable with things like vulnerability and being open and compassionate in ways that seem weak to them. And so one of the things that um, that has really seemed to help is giving them permission and a safe space to create space to be vulnerable with someone like me or a group of people who are not going to judge them and just let them kind of try it out, you know, because they, I would never want to take somebody's defenses against vulnerability or their feeling that they need to be hard and straight and linear away from them. Because if you take that away from them, then they just feel like that they've been devastated you know just that opening that that's kind of what happens when your heart gets broken or when you get traumatized is that all these conditionings around you that have made you feel like that you need to protect yourself and you need to be defensive and you need to be this strong person and never vulnerable 
when that breaks open and you're just running from your heart and you're just running from this feeling of heartfelt flowing energy, it can feel like complete devastation. So I would never tell somebody just to stop being that way. But what I do do in my practice is give them little spaces in time, like in this yoga class or in this session with me, where there's a beginning and an end and let's just open that up and feel it around and let them kind of get the experience of it So and give them permission to, as soon as you leave here, you can go right back to being that way. And it is completely fine, and that is totally reasonable for the life that you live. But now that they have kind of giving them space to touch in on that will allow them, if they choose, to move into this feminine energy much more... Um, willingly and by choice rather than by um by shame or guilt or making them feel like that they're wrong to be kind of strongly in this masculine energy did that answer your question that did i'm going to flip it now though okay now you have a man who has always been classically male but now he's starting to feel a little bit of that divine feminine, a little bit of that vulnerability. How do you help him get past the fear of what society is going to say to him? In exactly the same way. You know, it, I think, you know, the real key to healing is creating space and just allowing people. It's almost like we're saying, like, if you play video games, just like, okay, we're just going to go to the sandbox for a minute. In this space, you can try out some different ways of being, and then we're going to and it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to die. Everything's going to be okay. You know, and just creating a safe area for them to come in and just kind of test out that vulnerability. You know, maybe they're sitting in class and they cry a little bit and they see that everybody doesn't, you know, tell them they're a girl or tell them they're not a man anymore. And then they now can touch in on that. All right, well, maybe this is a little bit more okay. And then they can take it out of that space and integrate that into their regular everyday life. But again, never shaming them or making them feel like that they're wrong to be the way that they are because certainly they've been conditioned to be that way. And it might be exactly right for the life that they live. But when they um, have a space that's safe and non-judgmental to kind of play around and see, then if they choose to bring that, for that aspect forth in their lives, then um, the better for it they will be. Great. That is awesome. Um, I love that analogy, too. The, the video games, take yeah. them into sandbox mode and let them try it out. That's, that's the best analogy. So, now let's move to relationships. How does the rising divine feminine and the balance of the energies change relationships? Wow. That's a whole podcast by itself or more. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, what I've experienced personally is that um, as I start to shift and change and awaken internally, I draw into my awareness and I draw into to me people who have the polarity that I need to integrate into myself. And so what I've found is that the people that I tend to be attracted to are people who, um, not just in primary relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, but even, you know, friend relationships. I'm attracting people into my life that have some aspect of 
those energies that help me to reflect and see that in myself and then balance that within myself. And so I think that in relationships, especially if you've been in a long-term relationship um, with somebody and as people are changing, opening yourself up to the flexibility of mind to realize that as we're shifting, maybe the roles in your relationship are going to have to shift. And that goes back to, you know, that's where, again, yoga and these ancient practices really help support people in this because as we physically make our bodies more flexible it actually kind of manually changes our mentality and allows that flexibility of mind so that the person in front of you as they're awakening and creating balance in themselves you can relate to that and um, respond to that instead of staying in your very strict gender role or your very strict role in the relationship and so we learn to become more and more flexible with each other and actually respond to the person in the present moment as they are, as they're evolving, instead of responding to them as we think they should be or as we think they were in the past. That's great advice. Thank you so much. And I think we are about done with our time. So I want to say thank you so much, Bodhi, for being on this podcast and for being part of new paradigm um, you know we love you and uh, we're so glad you came on the podcast <laughs> yes i'm so excited this is my first podcast and i'm so excited to get to be a part of it i've been so um just overjoyed uh with the podcasts that have already come out with the speakers that we've or the guests that we've been able to have and i just feel like you know you and julie who is our producer um, came up with this idea for New Paradigm to have this podcast. And I feel like, you know, the biggest, this is going to be a real avenue for getting out there, you know, these different perspectives that really, that I think a lot of people really want to hear, you know, people are looking for a framework, you know, we're all coming out of this liquid place and looking to, of what we are going to become. And I think that these kind of conversations are exactly the things that will help awaken people to what they personally want to become. So I'm really, really pleased with how this is turning out. And I'm really excited about the guests that we're going to have coming up. We've got a lot of really cool guests that are going to still be, that are going to be talking about the divine feminine from even more different perspectives. And so this is just a real joy for me. And thank you so much for Thank you guys so much for doing this. And thank you so much. All right. We'll see you next time, folks. You've been listening to the New Paradigm Life Coach Podcast. Be sure to visit our website for more resources and a full listing of our upcoming events at newparadigmlifecoach.com. Thanks for listening, and may your day be filled with peace and joy.